Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I mean, no one plans to get sick, and yet, here we are. My name is Matthew Zachary. I survived cancer, a stroke, and COVID-19, and somehow I'm still here. I also survived our stupid broken healthcare system, and I want to help you survive it too. So let's go make healthcare suck less together, because you know what? We're all out of patience. Hey, that's the name of the show. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the show. A quick reminder before we get started, if you like the show, I hope you do. How about a rating, a review, a like, something like that. Just no TikTok. What the hell is TikTok? I'm an old guy. Let's get started. On the show today, the one and only Kathy Reagan Young. You got to know this woman. If you don't know already, of course, she is the loudest, awesome, entertaining big mouth in multiple sclerosis patient advocacy. The name of her podcast is called F-U-M-S, Fuck You, Multiple Sclerosis. Her podcast is now part of the Auscript Health Network, which is incredibly exciting, and you can subscribe to it at any time by visiting FUMSnow.com or searching for FUMS wherever you listen to your podcasts. She has interviews with doctors, research scientists, patients, legislators, insurers, neuropsychs, authors, caregivers. This is a great show. If your life has been totally fucked up by MS or you know someone who has, if you love somebody with MS, this is the show you have to subscribe to. So with that said, Kathy's joining me for today's show to talk all about her life, her advocacy, her story, her hills to die on, and the FUMS podcast. Brace yourself. It's a great show. Kathy, my goodness, long time coming. Thank you for coming on Out of Patience. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor. Is it really? It truly is. No, yeah. I no. really you, Yes, yes. I mean, buy a guy a drink first, please. <laughs> and I'll do that when I see you in New York sometime. Absolutely. That is a date, my goodness. <laughs> I wanna first bond over the fact that we're media nerds and it gives us maybe not an inexcusable erudite nature to high quality content and appreciating <laughs> professional production. But yeah. kudos to you for just having those genes baked into you. <laughs> well, thanks so much. It really, it's, um, it, it really isn't so much about knowledge in that way, or even being about media. It's really goes back to my, my roots in a rock and roll band. <laughs> so I became interested in microphones and things. Yeah. I mean, you and I were both kind of Josie and the Pussycats in the nineties, weren't we? <laughs> yeah. I'll take that. I love Josie. When did you start getting into music? My entire family was a bunch of singers. And I thought everyone's family was like this. But 
Apparently not. We always just, when we were together, we would sing and there would be multiple harmonies going on all the time. Um, so it was shocking to me that other families didn't do that. So I would say right out of the shoot, I was singing with my family, um, but really got serious about it and got into a band. Oh gosh, probably late eighties. It was fun. Uh, you can measure how awesome your band was by the height of your hair back in the eighties. Where oh, were you let at? me tell you, I was very close to God with the height <laughs> of my hair. <laughs> and I used some Aquanet. I, I was talking like <laughs> Taylor Dane or Belinda Carlisle. Well, you know, I was before those gals, but I had no problem. I could backcomb some hair Rip and then Aquanet. use the Aquanet. Rip Aquanet. Right. I know. <laughs> Curse you, Ozone. <laughs> Exactly. Damn that earth. So I, I grew up, um, my mom was a film historian. So I grew up listening to all the black and white movies in the 30s, 40s, mm. and all the Cole Porter, Jerome Kern, you know, Rogers and Hart mm. music. Mm-hmm. And that was just baked into our childhood growing up. My mom did play piano yeah. when she was younger. She hadn't played for a while. I didn't start till I was 11, but I came prepared with this whole like this whole library of music I was just had been listening to since mm-hmm. I was a kid. So as much as I wanted to have to learn to play the things you're supposed to, like the classical music, I went right. out to like, remember Sam Goody? What the Sam Goody? And I bought like, oh, oh here's yeah. a, here's the official Rogers and Hart playlist. And nice. that got me into not just being a classical composer, but a full-blown musician. My first band was actually a solo gig in a mob bar in Staten Island. <laughs> That's great. I can only top that by saying that I was um, in a biker bar at one point in um, Southern Alexandria, Virginia. Was that didn't know it was going to be a biker bar, by the way. Was that the same bar Pee Wee Herman knocked over the motorcycles in front of? (laughs) That one was a step up. Okay, step up. (laughs) Yeah, goodness, awesome. Yeah, awesome. This was rough. There was chicken wire involved. Let me just say that. (laughs) <laughs> to save oh, the band. <laughs> definitely Pee Wee Herman was a step up after after yeah. that little sentiment. So you had yeah. these arts and media, performance, stage presence, personality. That was amazing. It's a nice thing to kind of have with you as an asset in your bat belt going into sort of the real world, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Comes in very handy. You learn how to fake it till you make it better than anyone else. Exactly. Yep. And you learn how to talk to people of all ilks. And all sobriety levels, <laughs> which comes in handy in life too. This show just went <laughs> sideways. <laughs> this can't be a surprise to you. Yeah. <laughs> We've talked before. <laughs> yeah, no, come on. Like we're, we're besties. But all right. So you got into writing. You were blogging yeah. before there was a word blog. It's just writing on the internet yeah. was called blogging, right? Right. You've done video. You understand nonlinear editing. That's another crazy skill that most people have no, <laughs> no sense of. Yeah. All kinds of interesting, quirky shit. <laughs> and then like the shit happens door showed up at your door one day and like, what the yeah. fuck? MS, right? Like, yeah. And you think MS, right. you have no idea what that meant. Like these two letters that can mean anything, Ms. Magazine, right? So. Right. And it's yeah. not something you look forward to having one day. So it's not like you were, oh, I can't wait to get a mess and do all this It was shit. not aspirational for no, me now. Yeah, for not enough. at all. So, mm-hmm. so all right, let's, let's do a one-on-one because I honestly do not know enough about this, this universe. I can make assumptions and corollaries based on the cancer world. I'm sure there are many that are common threads. Mm-hmm. What is it? You wake <laughs> up one day with it? Is it like a, a rash? Yeah. You know? 
kind of, kind of a rash in your brain and on your spine. So it's lesions. It's lesions. It's where your your body's actually attacking itself. And so your nerves have a sheath over them called myelin. And MS kind of eats through that and attacks your nerve. And if it gets all the way through, you are 100% fucked. And that is going to mean permanent disability. So your hope is that you catch it early and you do things like taking what they call DMTs, which is disease-modifying therapies, and do all kinds of different things, tactics to try and save yourself from that potential horrible disability further down the road. But there are several types of or classifications, I guess, of MS. Uh, RRMS is what is most typical and it's what I have, and that's relapsing remitting multiple sclerosis. And there is secondary progressive, and 85% of all people with RRMS do progress to secondary progressive. RRMS, this relapsing remitting, that's exactly what it does. So it shows up and it leaves for a while, and it shows up and it leaves for a while. It reminds me of some old boyfriends I used to know. <laughs> and then secondary progressive is more a shitty husband. Like he's there <laughs> and he's, you're progressing downward at all time. Just, it's just a downward spiral. Just sweatshirts the, and sweatpants all day. Yeah. Yeah. Wife beater shirts, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then um, primary progressive is like, you're typically going to either be diagnosed with RRMS or PPMS, primary progressive. And that is, there's no remitting to that. That's a really shitty one to get. So I'm sure you learned all of that on day one. <laughs> right. I think my doctor probably told me that on day one, but did not compute. Yeah. yeah. Like I remember in 96 when I was diagnosed, they kind of gave me like this welcome to cancer book, like Dick and Jane have cancer book. <laughs> like this is not helping. This is right. not helping. Is there a version yeah. of that that still doesn't help when women get this? Yeah. Sort of, but not really. What happened to me and subsequently I found out to a lot of people is they kind of push across their desk. By they, I mean the neurologists who are the, the folks that specialize in MS. Push across the desk these huge binders from the pharmaceutical companies about these DMTs, the disease-modifying therapies. And you are to ostensibly bring that home with your you know, happy self that was just diagnosed with something you don't know what the fuck this is going to do to you. And you're supposed to go through this and you decide what medication you should be on. And my doctor said, come back within the next two weeks and tell me what you want to be on. So I don't know that it really said anything about what MS was about, but it was kind of just scary stuff. If you don't take one of these very soon, it's all going to be over. Sounds like when Tom Hanks <laughs> tried to escape the island the first time in Castaway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Similar. Yeah. Good luck. Have fun. Yeah. My goodness. Exactly. All our best. How old were you mm -hmm. when this happened? I was 43. Right. And is that an average age? Is that young, old? Yeah. They used to always say somewhere between 20 and 40 was the typical time frame. I think that has expanded. I don't think that's because MS is you know, expanding. I think that's because diagnostics have gotten better. And so now we're just finding more people have it. <laughs> we're just diagnosing better. So I want to channel the cancer lifestyle, which is the issues you face when you're not 80 or eight are different than when you're 80 or eight. And right. that includes <laughs> largely probably being employed at the time and mm -hmm. dealing with insurance and... <laughs> co-pays and approvals and denials. And then there's, of course, 
relationships, dating, intimacy, sexuality, fertility. There's just mental health fucking your brain up. There's people mm -hmm. that probably can't deal with the fact that you have something they don't understand and they run away for the hills. Are, are, are yep. those resonating? You nodding your head? You just hit all of my high points for yeah. the last 13 years. Yeah. Yeah. All of that and so much more. It's the Casey Kasem top 20 of uh, Kathy Regan Young. Yeah, exactly. So, it, you know, for me, I had these two little kids. That was my first concern. It was an ophthalmologist, actually, who said to me, there's something going on and you need to get in to get an MRI. And I called my mom and I said, I really need you to come out and watch the girls because I don't know what this is going to be. And I said, but I know this, my girls are too young to be without their mom. So I've got to figure this out and I've got to fight whatever in the fuck is going on in my head. So that was kind of, I laid it down on that day. Like whatever this is, it just picked the wrong bitch, you know, like, uh-uh, I'm not having it. Scared, but I'm still not having it. Well, hell yes. And I'm sure with your savvy media background, you were able to identify bullshit the minute you saw it, right? <laughs> this flyer, this website, this marketing yep. tool, this nonsense. Yeah. Well, I, I had worked on Capitol Hill for years. So yes, my bullshit ometer <laughs> was high. <laughs> yeah, it was very sensitive. Yeah. So there was a lot to weed through of said bullshit. At that time and even still, it just slays me that I was better equipped than most people to deal with all of this because I had, you know, an education and I had been in situations where I kind of had to have a bullshit-ometer. Also, I had worked for a pharmaceutical company and so I knew how to read scientific studies and clinical data. Most people don't. And all of this was still so completely overwhelming to me, still can be today. And it just, oh, it makes me so mad because I, in every step that has been so difficult, it pisses me off that I am well-equipped. I'm the best equipped person that I know to deal with this. And it's still hard for me. What about everybody else? One thing I was reading, and I did stalk you more than you thought I should have stalked you, but <laughs> Look, I, I mean, again, I was diagnosed in the 90s when there literally was nothing. You know, you were mm -hmm. diagnosed when there was yes. literally still nothing. Yes, right? Isn't that crazy? And what was there was just horrific. It was just terrifying stuff. Basically, what I got on the internet was get on drugs immediately and pick out a wheelchair and maybe a coffin. That was kind of the what I got out of it. <laughs> it was horrible. I don't know how to follow that. But boom, boom. Well, and the thing, <laughs> and the thing is that there weren't patient advocates at that time, or I'm sure there were. There were no blogs. There were no podcasts. There was nothing I could find where I could see, listen, hear, feel, talk to, write, whatever, to someone who is in the battle with this thing. I had no idea. I only had to go by what you know people were marketing about it. So it was a very skewed perspective. And I'm just so grateful that we have opened up this world of patient advocacy where people have now a platform to share their story, good, bad, and ugly, and to be able to, you know, speak to one another. I think particularly the newly diagnosed, I mean, they're just, 
deer in the headlights, right? And then they go to Dr. Google, which is horrible, but hopefully shortly thereafter, they find somebody else within their patient advocacy realm that can help them and at least have some place to read the reality about it and read the experiences, the personal experiences. For me, it's very important. I say to people, there is life after diagnosis and it can be a good life. All right. That's a great way to end the first part of the show. We're going to take a break and come back, but man, we could talk for hours and we might No, I'm scaring the listeners. We'll be back (laughs) in just a moment. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. When I met my first peer, it took me seven years. I've been very vocal about this, very open about this. I went seven years believing I was the only 20-something with brain cancer. Mm. And I'm in New York. I was a Sloan. Like, there was literally... Nothing for me. I met 80-year-olds with brain tumors, whatever. He happened to work for like the most institutionally recognized policy group in D.C. And he said Mm. to me, how would you like to be a cancer advocate? To which I responded, what the fuck is a cancer advocate? (laughs) So my question to you is, what the fuck is an MS advocate? What are the (laughs) – beyond the whole making life suck less for the next year, what does it really, really mean? Yeah. Well, I'm kind of making it up as I go, frankly. I mean, advocate, it's such a weird word, I must say. I'm not particularly comfortable wearing that, to be honest with you, because when I think of patient advocate, I picture those folks that have gone through training and they're credentialed and they work at a hospital and they are sort of the go-between between the hospital and the patient to make sure that that patient is well cared for, maybe if their bill's fucked up. That's, to me, a patient advocate. A patient advocate, to me, is also someone who represents a patient in front of maybe the pharmaceutical company that is screwing them out of their patient assistance. Those kinds of things are patient advocates to me. 
As it turns out, there are other people who, like me, wear that moniker, but I'm not super comfortable with it. I don't know what else to call myself, though, honestly. For me, it is sharing my journey, sharing my path, sharing the good and the bad, and the sometimes truly ugly, but just to soften the path a little bit for particularly newbies to show them. I mean, there's just... God, it's such a different story hearing it from someone who's living it than hearing it from a doctor who's just reporting it. So I try very hard. It is in my heart and my soul and my mind every day that I just really want to help people who are scared shitless getting this diagnosis by saying, hey, there's lots of different ways this thing can go, but there's some not so horrible ways it can go too. So let's kind of try and concentrate on that a little bit and let's learn about it, but with a skewed eye to the optimism, because that can make such a huge difference. You know, when stupid cancer really started to take off, probably by 09, 2010, you know, we were like first on Facebook, first on Twitter, because it was brand new. We're like, oh, here's something shiny. Let's try this out. Because right. there was literally Squirrel. nothing to understand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're meeting people. We understand first to market. Like, everyone gloms on when you're first. I mean, I had a radio show in 2007. That didn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, I don't think I've even discussed this very much at all. But <laughs> we were approached by the type one young adult community, by the mm-hmm. MS community, by the lupus community and said, would you be willing to franchise the stupid name? Mm. I mean, that's all mission drift shit that I can get into on another show. But like, can there be a stupid lupus, right? It's kind of funny to say it that way. Yeah. And this whole idea of stupid MS was just a thing. We couldn't really do it, of course. But it opened up this whole potentiality. You were an early adopter. You started not just sharing your story, but being pissed about it, which is great. Yeah. Fuck you, MS, right? Fums. Yeah. That's gumption. That's chutzpah. Tell us about what it was like to just be the first pissed off MS advocate that was just a (laughs) professional big mouth with a media background. You know, this was from 2011, really early adopter. You got into podcasting again, early adopter 2015. You've been doing Mm -hmm. this a long time. And what's it been like to almost become a MS celebrity? (laughs) I made that up. That's a thing. Hardly. So says me. So says me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's been really interesting and, oh God, overwhelming, honestly, because as you said, there was, that really wasn't a thing. So I didn't have many people to look to, to, to help me with this. And I should say I am tech averse. (laughs) That means I fucking hate tech. I hate it. I hate it. I love it because it works for us, but I hate dealing with it and it freaks me out and it causes so much stress in my life. So why not build a website? (laughs) And back in 2011, building a website, there was no Wix. I had to learn some coding. It was hard. And then in 2015, to start the podcast, same thing. It was not easy. It was very tech intense. So I had that going on and I really didn't find a template for any of this. So I was kind of making it up as I went along. But here was my pattern. I didn't have a template, but my pattern in my head was What would have helped me when I was diagnosed? What do I wish existed when I was diagnosed? And that was somebody sharing their story and being really transparent about it and talking about, you know, hemorrhoids or whatever, (laughs) whatever the horrible truth of 
whatever disease you're dealing with is. And then in 2015, it was, I want to continue to share my story, but I am a huge podcast fan and I feel like I know these hosts. It is a totally different vibe. Like I think they're my friends. Like if I saw them, I think it would be worrisome because I am convinced that we are friends <laughs> and I wanted to create that same vibe for my community. So that's why I've started the podcast and just I'm in people's ears and I'm talking to them one-on-one. -on -one. Certainly in the patient advocacy realm, I didn't have a template to follow, but I just went with what I knew would have helped me and I hoped would help others. And so far, so good. It seems to be working out. <laughs> so the mic drop for the listeners and the entire purpose, the hidden agenda of this show is that I knew of Kathy's show for a long time and I've always considered her to be like a professional media big mouth that people love to listen to. And as this new venture, Offscript Media, was starting to take off, my co-founder Andrew and I were starting to think about well, if we're really going to build the largest listenership in the country of pissed off patient advocates, <laughs> who else should be part of this? And I'm like, oh. Let's get that smart ass. <laughs> let me ask Kathy. And I think I wasn't even done with the text message. And you said, yes, I'd like to join the yeah, Oscar right. Media yes. Network. I'm in. So it's official. FUMS. <laughs> the FUMS podcast. FUMS now. F-U-M-S. Is yeah. one of the latest additions to the Offscript Media Network, joining six other shows, including my own out of patience, which is this show you're listening to. So that was kind of stupid to say, <laughs> but it's an extraordinary moment, challenging people to understand that they do have the power within them to be an advocate. I got the power. Oh my uh, God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you got We got to get the Aquanet so back for you to get away with that. <laughs> yeah. I can't now, help it. It just comes <clears throat> out of me sometimes. I'm now sorry. do pump up the jam and then we'll be all set. <laughs> Pump up the jam. Pump it up. Yes. While your feet are stumping. <laughs> so let's talk about the show. Um, you've been okay. doing this a long time, like hundreds of episodes. You've had the chance to talk to so many incredible people. What's your highlight reel? Super lucky. Well, gosh, good question. Um, you know, this sounds pandering. I'm truly not. My highlight reel really starts with the actual MS patients that I've talked to because oh my God, the stories, the difficulties they've gone through and yet they keep coming back and they just keep swinging. It's so inspirational, motivational to me and to my audience. It's just, they're awesome. And then I am obviously my avatar. I have MS. So when I find somebody that I want to talk to, you know, I can call up the Mayo Clinic. I can call up the Columbia University. If I called and said, hey, this is Kathy Reagan Young, and I would like to speak to the head of your neuropsych department, because I've got a few questions. They'd be like, what are you smoking, number one? And right. number two, you could make an appointment like all the other people and come in whenever, a few months from now. Instead, when I say this is Kathy Reagan Young, and I have the FEOMS podcast show, and I'd really like to interview, blah, blah, blah. No one has ever said no, which is mind-blowing to me and so exciting. And so in that way, I get to ask all of my questions. Me, as an MS patient, I get to ask all those questions to these people that I would no chance have an opportunity to meet with and ask questions of. It's so great. What an opportunity. And I like to let my community in on that. And I'll you know, send out emails and post on social and say, hey, I'm interviewing this person. What are your questions? I'll get them asked and answered. Um, so it gives us entree 
to folks that we wouldn't otherwise have. And particularly during COVID, everybody was scared, but we're immunocompromised. And WTF, like, what does this mean? And should we get uh, vaccinations and all of these things? And people were asking me, I had no idea, but I found this fantastic neurologist and MS specialist, Dr. Aaron Boster, and he agreed to come on. And we went on and on and on. And I asked him a million damn questions. I know he was exhausted after that. But, you know, we were all scared shitless about this thing. And I can promise you this. I went on that thing thinking, there's no way I'm getting this damn vaccine. Not yet. It's too soon. And I don't want to be a guinea pig. And at the end of that, having had an opportunity to ask a neurologist my burning questions and those of my community, someone that I truly trusted and believed, at the end of that, I said to him, I honestly cannot wait to get this vaccine now. Well, that's and the thing. That's when, the when, point. <laughs> when COVID became a thing and fucked up the planet in the spring of 2020, mm. I was waiting for something to show up on some website. Hey, it's the COVID cancer explainer page. We don't know what the hell's going on, but here's the best we know from experts. Yeah. It never manifested. No. It just didn't mm. exist. No one bothered to aggregate the top oncologists and their opinions. We didn't need to have facts. We needed opinions because there were no facts. Right. And you were the only person saying MS is a deeper shit job with immunotherapies and vaccines and yeah. compromisation. Like it's so different. And you were the right person at the right wrong time. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> well, I feel very privileged to be able to pick up the phone and have someone A, take my call and B, schedule some time with me to answer my community's questions. So it's privilege and a responsibility. And I'm grateful to have both, I guess, and have the trust of all these people. No, it really is incredible. It's being yes. honest and raw about what is bothering the average person on an average day. And they nod yeah. their heads when they hear us and we see them and they see us when we talk to them. As you create even more content, it's kind of like you're whittling down the sequoia tree <laughs> to a toothpick. You really get into the granularity on top of the sort of the macro sense of the disease and awareness. What would you say is the top most pissed off issue in the MS community right now? <laughs> Fatigue. Fatigue, truly. And and that is hard for anyone who doesn't know what medically induced fatigue feels like and does to your life. It's hard to understand. But it is not just being tired. It is not just needing a nap. It is, I can't get my ass out of this bed. I can, I, if I can, it's to make it to the sofa. And that means I can't get my kids to school. And that means I can't pick them up from school and I can't make dinner and I, can, and I can't and I can't and I can't get to work. It is awful and it is so pervasive in MS. So it's a constant looking for how to improve that. Are there drugs? Are there exercises? Should we put leeches on our bodies? Which by the way, was a suggestion to me. That along with people laying their hands on me and praying over me. Neither one worked. P.S. I didn't do the. I didn't do the That's a separate leeches. show we're going to do, do for sure. We have. You can't say that, and then us not do a show about that later on. <laughs> okay, I'm in. Yeah, all the crazy bullshit people offered. <laughs> Fums podcast giving MS the finger. What yeah. can listeners expect 
You can expect a good mix of everyday patients and what you live with, patients who are absolutely doing extraordinary things that you would never believe that someone with MS could do, all kinds of, I'm using my air quotes, experts, and that's everyone from Columbia University Neuropsychology Department head to, for instance, I just (laughs) interviewed a neurobiologist about psychedelic usage in MS. And there's a certain type of Amazonian frog that excretes this toxin, but when taken just a little bit with the right practitioner, apparently can elicit some benefit. Not a medical expert, and none of that is proven. My point is I'm bringing it across the board. If, if it has something to do with MS, whether it's of interest or of benefit, I'm bringing it at FUMS, plus the attitude and the sass. <laughs> Kathy Reagan Young, my God, patient influencer for the MS community, former Aquanet user. <laughs> Addict. Kathy is also doing some cool stuff with an initiative called Patients Getting Paid. We're going to have you back to specifically talk about that because that's a bone of my contention. Fucking pay your patients to help you make money. Amen. That's the whole thing. There's another hashtag. Fucking pay your patients. Fucking pay your patients, exactly. <laughs> and host of the FUMS podcast right here on the Offscript Media Network. You can listen to it wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks. I really appreciate it. That's all for now. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Tell us what you'd like Matthew to cover in his next episode by leaving a message for us at 855-AUDIO-66, and we might just use it in a future show. Out of Patience is a product of Offscript Health. We are a healthcare engagement company built for patients and caregivers by patients and caregivers. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producer is Betsy Shepard. Our host is Matthew Zachary. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Betsy Shepard. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscriptnot.com. That's media at offscript.com. For more information, visit offscript.com. <laughs>